Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Want to learn from your word the meanings of love, the importance of love during this Valentine season? Father, we want to imitate you, the loving God. You are love. You are not just having love, but you are love, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, open our hearts and minds to hear what the Spirit wants to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard a story of a young man who told his girlfriend that if you don't marry me, I would not be able to survive. I would die if you don't marry me. And we find out that 50 years later, he's still alive. <laughs> so, all the ladies, it's not true. If you don't marry that guy, then he's going to die next day. He will survive. He will not die. Amen? So, a lot of time, we use the word love in a very light way, in a meaningless way. A lot of time, we say something about love without even understanding the meaning of love. We say, I love my dogs, I love pizza, I love my job, I love my car, I love this and I love that. But we don't truly understand the word love that God gives us definition in the Bible. I love to do this, I love to do that. I love my parents. But love is so important. And in fact, love is the most important thing in the kingdom of God. It's more important than the gift you have, more important than the Bible knowledge you have. Love is the most important thing. And that's why we need to revisit this issue off and on to remind us that love is the most important thing in the Christian walk. The Bible says that, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. The Bible says the greatest thing of Christian walk is Love. So if we understand the true meaning of love and we can walk in that love, our life will never be the same. Love will bring life. Everyone in the world needs love. Everyone wants to be loved. How many people in this room want to be loved? Raise your hand up. Amen. Everyone wants to be loved. I want to be loved too. But I can draw the love from heaven that I don't need to worry about what other people think about me. As Christians, after we accepted Jesus Christ, we began to really walk in the love of God in a real way. Because Jesus is love. He demonstrated His love by dying on the cross for us. And His fruit or His character began to work in our life. I never forget when I accepted Christ 28 years ago, 30 years ago in Thailand, the first response or experience is that I began to feel the love inside my heart. I used to be a very arrogant man. I looked down on poor people because I was number one in my class in the medical school. I was number one in my class in the high school. So I always looked down on poor people and uneducated people. But after I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, the first thing that happened in my heart is that I began to love people who I never loved before. I began to change that love of God began to work on the inside of me. And then that love really brings joy and true happiness. But the standard of man's love is different from the standard of God. 
You know that God's way are higher than our way. God's love is higher than man's love. Man's love is very conditional. Man's love can run dry. Man's love can come to the end. Maybe you have a girlfriend. Oh, it's so so sweet. But one day she gives you a hard time, and your love for her is gone. That love of man can disappear. But God's love never runs dry. God's love never come to the end. And God's love is unconditional. Many times we love people because they do something good to us. Usually in the world, when a man comes to a woman, I love you. What does it mean? Because you can do something for me. Because you can, you can live with me. You can cook for me. Because you're beautiful. You can make me happy when I look at your face, look at your nose, look at your hair. It makes me happy. So the word love in man's idea is that you do something for me. But God's love is different. Is that I do something for you. And I love you no matter who you are, no matter what you do. I remember reading the scripture of a man when Jesus talked to him that if you want to have eternal life, you need to sell everything and give money to the poor. And that man already have a bad attitude because he loved money more than God. And the Bible say, Jesus loves him. Even though the man rejected God and walked away. Actually, this man walked away from Jesus. But the Bible still say, Jesus loves him. Jesus loves us no matter who we are, no matter what we do. He may not agree with what you do. He may not like what you do, but he still loves you. So today we're going to see from the scripture the importance of love. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 8, the Bible says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The trademark of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is not having a cross on your neck or the earring with a cross on, or carrying the Bible when walk around, or preaching to somebody that I know the gospel, I know Jesus, Jesus did this to me, and preach, 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 preach. No. The trademark of God's people is walking in love. Sometimes you don't need to preach very much. You just show love. And people will begin to ask you, why do you, are you like this? And then you begin to say, because I have Jesus on the inside of me. Actually, sometimes you preach too much, it turns people off. Because they say, I don't want to listen to you. You never even invite me for dinner. You never even feed me. You never do anything good to me. Why listen to you? I don't care what you say. I want to see love in your heart first. I want to see love in action first. So we, we have to be careful about preaching the gospel. God loves all of us no matter what background we have. Whether we have high education or low education. Whatever skin color we have, God still loves us, and we need to love people the same way He loves us. Amen? Napoleon said, I try to win the world by my army, but Jesus Christ won the world by His love. Napoleon was born again at the end of his life because he read the Bible. Now we're going to look at the importance of love quickly, and we're going to see how we can love the way God loves. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I am only a resounding gong or a clanking symbol. The Bible says clearly that if you have the gift of speaking in tongue, you have the gift of interpretation, or you are very fluent in English or in Thai or in Chinese, you can speak another language, or you can speak even 10,000 languages all over the world. You can go to any country and speak without problem. You can even speak angelic language. You are so good in talking. But if you don't love, your voice is like a resounding gong. It's like a clanking cymbal. In other words, God tried to say that your ability to speak is not as important as the heart of love that you can show to people. A lot of people are very good in speaking in front of public. You know, for me, I'm not looking for good speaker. I look at the people's heart, whether they love you or not. Many times I tell Pastor Da that I'm looking for the spiritual father, not a great speaker, not a great preacher, a spiritual father who loved me. And that's what I try to be to people. I want to be a spiritual father who loves people, not just a good speaker or good preacher. Because if I preach but without love, then I'm like a resounding gong. Sometimes you may talk to a person who doesn't know Christ, and then that person has a lot of questions about Christianity, and you can answer all of them. You can speak very well about the gospel, about who Jesus is, about what sin is, and you try to convince that person. You win all the questions and all the reasoning with a person who doesn't know Christ but you don't love him or her. And that will not win that person's heart. I learned that lesson since I was a young believer. I'm a very good person who can argue very well. If you want to argue with me about Christianity, I can guarantee you will lose because I know how to argue. But at the beginning of my Christian walk, I did that all the time. I argued with my doctor's friend or the medical doctor's friend in the hospital. I argued with everybody that Jesus is God and Jesus is good, but no one accepted Christ. Because I tried to win them, I did not love them. I did not care about them. My ability to speak the gospel did not touch people's heart. But the love of God will touch people's heart. Amen? People notice that we love them or not. That's why it's good to learn how to speak very well, to preach very well. But it's not enough. We need to speak with love. Look at the, another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. The Bible says that if you are so gifted, you're so powerful, you lay hand on the sick, the sick get healed, you can lay hand on the demon-possessed person, and demon come out. You can command a mountain to move into the sea. And you have all the knowledge in the Bible. You can know Hebrew and Greek language. You can dig into the Bible and you know everything. You can explain everything in the Bible. You can quote all the scripture. You can come up to the stage and you can say everything from the scripture without even looking at the Bible. You memorize all the scriptures. You know very well. You know all the theologies and doctrines. And you're just a great theologian. And very anointed and gifted. But if you have no love, God say, 
you are nothing. Wow! God emphasizes love so much, more than your knowledge, more than your ability and your gifting. Even though you have more brain cells than Einstein, if we count brain cells in your brain, and you have more brain cells, you are having a higher IQ than Einstein, and you don't love. God say you are nothing. You may be number one in your class, first class honor. You get the scholarships from the school. You're number one in the class. You're so smart. You're so good at education. Very intelligent. Maybe you are the best employees in your company. But if you have no love, God say you are nothing. Love is the most important thing in the eyes of God. Amen. And that's what I try to seek for. I want to grow in love and in faith. And in hope, and love is the most important thing. I want to encourage all of you: don't just seek knowledge, don't just seek anointing and giftings and ability, don't just seek the ability to speak very well in public, but seek to walk in love and have more love in your heart. The Bible says in verse three, First Corinthians thirteen three, if I give all I possess to the poor. In other words, if I do all the good things, charitable work, giving to people in Haiti, giving poor people in another country, I give all the I possess to the poor. Surrender my body to the flames, but not but have not love. I gain nothing. Don't take me wrong; it's nothing wrong to have ability to speak very well, and you should develop. Ability to speak in public or to people to evangelize—it's nothing wrong to be gifted, to have faith to move the mountain. And it's nothing wrong to give money to the poor and to do charitable work and do good to people, invite people for dinner, visit people in jail, do a lot of good things. It's nothing wrong, but it's wrong if we do all these things without love. Do you know why? Because sometimes people do things out of different motives. Sometimes people can give to the poor and do things in order to gain recognition, gain personal benefits, so that people will vote for them to become something, or maybe gain kind of acceptance in society or praises from somebody's mouth. You may do things out of wrong motive, and maybe people don't know that, but God knows what is inside your heart, what you do. So God tried to warn us that no matter what you do, good things in your life, you must be sure that you do out of love. My last trip last week, every time I got onto the airplane, I already start to feel a little bit emotionally de depressed because I have to leave my family, leave my own house, and I'm gonna have to fly there, and I know how tough to face jet lag. And in Thailand last week, I had seven meetings to go, fly up to northeast, preach two sermon, perform wedding ceremony, went back to preach to the leadership, and three more sermons, and lay hand on thousands of people. I lay hand on every head that let me lay hand on, and I never say no to anybody. Some people come up to me three times. I lay hand on all all of them. Even last minute, 11:30 p.m., somebody called from another city because she could not come to the meeting. 
So I pray for that person even without voice. I say fire, and that person got drunk in the Holy Spirit on the other city. She laughed, I mean, drunk in the Holy Spirit in that telephone. I never reject anybody in a meeting. And I have to admit, it was very tiring. But I have to check my heart. Did I fly to Thailand just because I want to be behind the pulpit and prove that I can preach well? Or just to prove that I am anointed and lay hand and demon come out from people and people get healed? Or just to build my kingdom so we can have more churches in Thailand and to prove that I have a big ministry and I'm famous preacher. If I do all these things out of those motives, I am nothing. I talk to the Lord in the airplane. I'm going there to do all these good things because I love you and I love these people. I have to check my motive that I do all these things for what reason? So I want to step up on the stage in front of thousands of people and I say, I love all of you. That's why I come here. We have to check our motive all the time. You may be pastor in the church and you look after a big group of people. You take care of them. You teach them Bible. You open your home. You run the home group or care group. But you have to ask yourself, you do that because you love them or because you want to position being called pastor? in the church. What is the motive behind what you're doing for God or for people? The good things, the good deeds you do is out of compulsion, is out of obligation, or out of love. Check your motive every single day. Amen? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The same thing with evangelism. You may go on the street and tell people the gospel. You may confront with somebody and you say, Jesus love you. Accept Christ right now. No, I notice sometimes we are very pushy. Christians sometimes are very pushy. But let me ask you, do you preach the gospel? Because you want just to prove that I can preach. You preach the gospel just to get another number to accept Christ to go to heaven. Or you preach the gospel because you love that person. You do things out of love or you do things just to prove something. Or just because you are gifted, so I have to do something. I think this is maturity. How can we tell a person is mature? By looking the motive behind. If you are mature, you do things out of love. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and out of rivalry but others out of good will. Yes, it's good to preach the gospel, but don't just preach the gospel just to compete with another church or to, do, to show that I know how to preach the gospel, but out of good will, out of love. Amen? Now, we learn that all these good things, doing good, have faith, have anointing, have giftings, and have ability to speak are important, but it's not enough. Love is the most important thing in the Christian walk. Love. And you can walk by love, you're going to have life. Amen? Now, what is true love? Let's look at the definition of love in the Bible. In fact, I have to admit that 
this definition make me want to become a Christian. I was not a Christian before. I was a Buddhist. And I actually was against God. I put my fist up against God when I was young. Pastor Da went to a Catholic church. He was a Catholic. And every time she went to Catholic church, I sat in the church and just fell asleep. Or sometimes I sat in the car and was thinking, this is crazy. People believe in God. I came from monkey. There was no God. I was rejecting God 100% when I was a young man. I was so arrogant. But when I read this scripture, it melted me. Actually, two things that melted me. Number one, when Jesus said on the cross, when he was hanged on the cross and he said, Father in heaven, forgive them, these people, because they don't know what they're doing. Melt my heart. Because I know if I was Jesus, I would jump out of that cross and side kick and front kick and shoot these people. I'm going to take revenge. But Jesus said, forgive them. That really melted my heart. Then I read this definition of love in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. After I read that, I accepted Jesus Christ. Because I know that there must be God and this must be the real God because this definition of love is the best definition I have ever seen in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is patient. That's a tough one. To be patient with people. If you walk in love, if you have the love of God, you are willing to be patient with other people, with people's weaknesses. How many people have gone through the situation that you were treated unjustly in your life? Raise your hand up. Somebody treat you unjustly. God said you have to be patient even though you are treated unjustly. As a human nature, We want to take revenge. We want to slap back. But God said, be patient. That's what the young man David did. King Saul was chasing after David. He wanted to kill David. He hated David. But David was walking in love. So many times David had a chance to kill King Saul. But he did not. He did not touch King Saul. Because he wanted to walk in love. And Jesus showed us the same example in 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 23. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they heard their insults at him, he did not retaliate. He did not fight back. He did not take revenge. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, mean to the Father, who judges justly. Walking in love means don't fight back. Don't argue back. We just trust God and love and be patient with our enemy. I know this is tough to do. Not easy. No man can do that except God. Amen? I read a story that I saw in a book. I read to you. Robert Ingersoll, after delivering one of his addresses, pulled his watch. This is an atheist, a man who didn't believe in God. Pulled his watch from his pocket and said, 
According to the Bible, God has struck men to death for blasphemy. I will blaspheme him and give him five minutes to strike me dead and damn my soul. There was a period of perfect silence. Why one minute went by, two minutes passed, people began to get nervous. Three minutes and a woman fainted. Four minutes and Ingersoll curled his lips. At, at five minutes, he snapped shut his watch, put it in his pocket and said, you see, there is no God. Or he would have taken me at my word. The story was told later to Joseph Parker, who said, and did the American gentleman think he could exhaust the patience of God in five minutes? Our God is a patient God. He's a long, long suffering God. I don't know about you. I look back in my life. I did so many bad things. I never told you. I will never tell you. So that you still like me. I've done so many bad things. And when I look back, if God was not patient with me, I would be gone a long time ago. He would get rid of me a long time ago. But he was so patient. He was loving enough that he was patient with me, waiting for me to change. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I am a very patient I still give them the chance to repent. Amen? It's hard to understand, but that's the God we worship. He's the patient God, long-suffering and slow to anger. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 continue to say, Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness is a characteristic of love. You know, it's easier to be patient than to be kind. What is the difference between being patient and being kind? Being patient means you hurt, but some bad thing happened, somebody offend you, somebody did bad thing to you or to another person, and you look at it and you say, okay, I'm patient, I'm not going to do anything, I'm going to keep quiet, I'm not going to touch it, I'm going to ignore it, I'm not going to do anything with it, I'm not going to gossip about it. That is patient. But being kind means to do good to those who hurt you. This is another level of love, is to do good to those who are not lovely, who those who offend you and do bad things to you. Being kind. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 to 21. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, say the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's not just ignoring, but also doing good. I read a story of a Chinese farmer in China, mainland China. This man owned a land on the hill. And every day he worked hard. He used the water pump to pump water into his field. And then he went home and rest. But his neighbor, who was below him in the hill, was cheating. 
he make a canal from his land and draw the water or drain the water in his own field without doing anything. So he used the energy of another man, the Christian man, to get water into his own field. And he has done that for many years. The Christian Chinese man ignored it for a long time. He, know, he knew that he was taken advantage of. And one day he talked to his pastor. Pastor, what should I do to this man? He was cheating me. The pastor said, why don't you pump water into his land too at the same time? Not just into your land, but into his land too. He did. That neighbor eventually was born again because he was so impressed with the kindness of this neighbor, Christian neighbor. Not only ignoring and be patient, but being kind and do good to those who offend you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love will not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. The truth is in the Bible. Sometimes we say, I love you. You can do whatever you want. You can cheat. You can lie. You can do anything. You can watch pornography. You can cheat. You can corrupt. No, 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 no. True love will not delight in evil. So you want to focus on the truth. You want people to do the right thing. That's why correction is love. When people do wrong and you ignore, you just say, oh, that's okay, I love them. I will not correct them. That is not true love. True love, you will bring the truth of God. You will try to help people to do the right thing through correction through helping that person to understand the truth of God. Amen? Daniel, he loved God. And when King Darius put a decree out and said, no one can pray to the God of heaven, Daniel, he still opened his window and prayed to the Father in heaven. And he was thrown into the lion den. But God shut the mouth of the lions and he was not killed. He stayed to the truth. True love will Rejoice in the truth. Amen? We will not be delightful if we see our brother and sister sin against God. We need to warn them and correct them if we truly love them. Sometimes correcting people is very painful. It's not easy. How many people feel uneasy to correct somebody? Raise your hand up. It's not easy to correct people. Because you may lose that friendship. They may reject you. They may not like you anymore. But correction, helping people to walk the right way is the way of love so that they will not go into destruction. Amen? And if you really walk in love, you need to walk in the truth as well. The word love and truth has to come together. You cannot separate them. You cannot say, I love, I love, I love, but I'm going to walk in sin. I'm going to do whatever I want. No, love and truth must come together because Jesus, God is love and God is the way, the life, and the truth. So if you really walk in the love of God, you must walk in the truth as well. Definitely, with love, when you correct people, you also cover their multitudes of sin. You don't spread that sin out to all the church and say, look at that brother. He did this, he did that, he sinned. Don't bring 
the sin of another person to tell everybody else. We need to cover the multitudes of sin. Nowadays, it's quite scary with the technology. You know, just one click. Hundred people can read it. Just typing something in the blog, hundred thousand of people can read it about somebody' mistake. That's why I don't think it's the heart of God to put something bad about somebody in the blog to let the whole world know, or to send email out to tell somebody about somebody else' mistake. That is not love. That is hatred. Because love. Covers the multitude of sin. I give counseling to a lot of pastors lately. Actually, I just did this morning before I came to church. Somebody did something wrong in that church. The pastor called me up and said, "What should we do?" I say, "Confront that person first, one on one. Try to keep it as small as you can. And if that person doesn't repent, then bring another person and talk about it." Try not to tell anybody about this. Keep it as small amount of people as we can. If that person doesn't repent, then you bring to the whole church to discipline that person. Not that type up email, long email, cut and paste a little bit, and the whole world know how bad you are. And actually, may not be even true because you just assume without even talking to that man what he did. That is not love. That is hatred. I don't want to get involved with that. Amen. Love doesn't rejoice in evil. Doesn't is not delighted in evil, but rejoice in the truth. The truth. I don't mean that to to bring the truth of people lie to tell people. I mean to bring people to God's truth. Don't interpret this scripture in the wrong way. I rejoice in the truth, so I don't want to tell everybody else in the whole world. The truth about you, how bad you are. No, that is not love. That is hatred. Verse seven, First Corinthians thirteen, verse seven. It always protects. You see, love covers the multitudes of sin. Protect one another. We need to protect one another, not to expose one another, expose somebody's sin. Always trust and always hopes. What does it mean? Always trust and always hopes. It means, if you can think about somebody around you, five different ways. Hmm, she is maybe a little bit good. She is bad. She is worse. She is nasty. Different ways. Five different ways. The Bible says, if you trust me, you think the best. Everyone said the best of that person. You always think the best. Give the benefit of the doubt. Always consider the best of that person. I give you example. If I walk into the church and I don't smile at you, you have many ways to think about me, such as, oh, he is not a good pastor. He is so mean. He is not nice. He is not loving. You can think all the things about me in a bad way, but if you give the benefit of doubt and you think the best about me. You would say maybe last night he got phone call. He went to the hospital. He had only two hours sleep, and he still have in his mind what he's going to preach today. So he did not have a time to smile at me because he has a big responsibility to preach. 
You think the best of your husband. You think the best of your wife. You think the best of your brother and sister in the church. Instead of thinking of what is the worst of that person. That means trust. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. This is the scheme of the enemy. The way that the enemy tries to destroy the church is by gossiping, attacking leadership, thinking the worst of the leadership instead of thinking the best of that person's life. We should change our way of thinking. If we walk by love, we always think, always pull out the good things about that person. Let me share this. No one is perfect. All of us have good things and bad things in life. If we are perfect, then we don't need to come to church anymore. We don't need Jesus anymore. Is that right? We just fly. No need to come to church to be touched by the Spirit, to be changed by God. We don't need God anymore if we are perfect. We are not perfect. We have bad things and good things in life. This is how we walk in love. Always think about the good things of those people. How about for the bad things? What do we do? Hope. Always trust, always hopes. What does it mean? Hope that. We have hope that the Lord will change that person in due time. You cannot change people. Only God can change people. But you have hope that all those weaknesses that they have, God is going to change them one day. And that's what happened to me and Pastor Da. I have many weaknesses. Pastor Da was very patient with me, forgiving, waiting, and hoping that God would change her husband. And God did. I changed. I always forget. Valentine card. But this year I didn't. God changed me after 20 something years. She was patient. She was hoping that one day my husband is going to be more sensitive to me. I was not a very sensitive man in the area of you know, this thing. So sometimes my secretary has to email me Did you think about your anniversary? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need help. We all have negative things in life. We need to think about the best first. This is how we walk in the church together. We look at each other and say, wow, the best in that person's life. The best in that person's life. And the weakness, don't focus on and just pray and ask God to change that person. That is the walk of love. Amen? Want to read last scripture. Romans. Chapter 5, verse 5, and then end the sermon. And hope does not disappoint us. Mean Jesus does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. The whole thing that I preach in this sermon is almost impossible for a man to do or a woman to do. The love of God is so high standard Opposite to our flesh and our human nature. Our human nature, we love people conditionally. We reject people when they don't do good to us. We tend to spread the bad rumors and bad news about people. We tend to hurt other people. This is human nature. 
So go opposite. Human nature is very difficult. But thank God, the Holy Spirit can help us. I just went to Thailand and I preached the message, holiness. It's one of the most difficult passage, sermon to preach. Do you know why? It's hard to preach holiness because you have to be holy too. You cannot preach something and you don't do it. And I could not preach that. I prepared that sermon in year 2004. I dare not preach it for a long time. I just look at it and then, mm, mm, holiness, I cannot do it. But I decided to preach last week in Thailand. Oh, people love it. But the reason I dare to preach because I found a secret that I don't need to be holy myself. I cannot be holy myself. God showed me in the past 20-something years. I can be holy. I can love the way Jesus loved by doing three things. Number one, I need to make a decision to love God and fear God. I'm going to preach this one Sunday. Don't run away from me. That's Sunday. Holiness. You need to love God and fear God. I go into detail when I preach. Two, you need to renew your mind with the Word of God. You need to know what is right and what is wrong. But number three, the most important thing, besides, because only these two is not going to work. You cannot do it anyway. You can love God, you fear God, you can have all the Word of God in your mind, but you still sin against God. And you will not walk in love what I preach today. Until, number three, you need to be filled, sanctified, purged, cleansed, empowered by the person called Holy Spirit. Without Him, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to live a holy life. In the past 10 years of being in revival in the file of God, I now come to the conclusion, it's possible. It's possible to live a holy life. Not that you are good to live a holy life, but because you're so filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. God just purged out bad things, demons, bad habit, curses, all the bad attitude out of you by the Holy Spirit. And you're so filled, you know, when you have a cup of water, you get rid of some sour water, Bad, dirty water and fill in more clean water. Get rid of bad, fill in good. Get rid of bad, fill in good things until the whole cup of water filled with pure water. Once you can do that, and that water is the Holy Spirit. If the water of the Holy Spirit fill you more and more, get rid of bad things more and more. Get rid, get rid, get rid, perch out, perch out. Eventually, you cannot even think about sinning at all. You cannot even thinking about Lying. I cannot lie. This morning, Pastor Diane and I were talking about man's temptation because I heard a lot of story in Thailand that uh, a man started to go after a young woman in the church and try to cheat his wife. And this is very common in the world that a man start to flirt another young woman. And I know all the men have temptation. And when the Holy Spirit burned you so much, I told Pastor Da, I can't even think about it. I feel yucky. Eee. That's sin. Eee. 
I cannot do that. I mean, just so because the Holy Spirit on the inside of me feel like there is sin. That's bad, yucky. I cannot touch that kind of sin. That's why holiness is possible in the body of Christ. But we need the Holy Spirit. We can walk in love with you, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can love people unconditionally. Amen. I dare not sin against God with my mouth because of the Holy Spirit. So we need to walk in the love and in the fear of God. We need to clean our mind, renew our mind with the Word. Today, I'm cleaning up your mind with the Word of God. And then you come to revival meeting. You come to the revival Holy Spirit night. Get touched by God. Holy Spirit clean you. I have more privilege than you more opportunity because I lay hand more than I lay hand in the afternoon all the time. So the Holy Spirit cleans me every Sunday. I go to Thailand, I lay hand on thousands of people. So Holy Spirit work in me more than most people here. So I grow very fast by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you. Don't be ashamed. Don't reject the Holy Spirit. He is your helper. He's going to help you to do what God wants you to do and to be. There is hope to walk in love. That is the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it by yourself. Believe me. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word to renew our mind. We thank you for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell on the inside of us, purchase, cleansing us from all the sins and bondage and demonic activities and help us to walk in love. Father, after we listen to this sermon, we are so convinced, Lord, that love is the most important thing in life. More important than money, more important than reputation, position, recognition, than anything else. Help your people, Father, and me, myself, to walk in love. Love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. And love our neighbors as ourselves. In the end time like this, Father, build your church to be the loving church. When, when people see all of us, they will see Jesus. The love of Jesus will radiate out of our eyes, will flow out from our voice and mouth when we talk to people. When they see our body language, they see the love of Jesus. Lord, help us to follow your footsteps in Jesus' name. Before we end the service and have lunch together, I just want to make sure that all of you are born again and have salvation. Even one person in this room. You may say that I'm a Christian. You have gone to church. But I just want to make sure that you're really born again. Being born again means that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know Christ. Two, you repent of your sin. You say, God, I cannot do it myself, but I make a decision to turn away from my sin. I want God to help me. Three, you began to walk with Him every day in relationship with Him. You don't have to be perfect right away. 
these two words, the word justification and sanctification. Justification means you become righteous at the time you accept Christ, you become a child of God by position. But sanctification means you begin to have a process of changes inside you by the power of the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Him. So don't worry to become perfect right away after you become a Christian. But you work on it. You work out your salvation. I just want to make sure that no one in this room after you leave this world will never make it to heaven. Heaven and hell are real. Jesus said, I come to give you life and give you more abundantly. I did not know about you, but before I became a Christian, I did not have abundant life. My life was miserable. Even though I had money and education, I was not happy. I was a miserable man. But after I accepted Jesus Christ, I experienced abundant life. I want to encourage you to do that today. Even one person give their life, his life or her life to Jesus, heaven will rejoice. I want to ask this question. If you are not sure that you will make it to heaven, you're not sure you're born again, today you say, I make decision to be born again. If you are that person, raise your hand up and I will lead you to prayer. Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. You want to be born again for sure. Amen. Could you please stand up and I will pray with you at your seat there. Just stand up and pray with me. Before I lead you to prayer, the Lord told me to tell you, don't worry about walking with God. God put brother and sister around you to help you. They will pray for you. They will encourage you. They will help you, teach you. You're not going to walk with God by yourself. We don't know we have tomorrow. As a doctor, medical doctor, I know that people die anytime. People cannot boast that you have tomorrow. That's why the Bible says salvation is now, today. Don't wait until tomorrow because you may not have a chance tomorrow. Once you die, no more chance. Either heaven or hell. Make a decision now. Give your life to God. Repent of your sin. I'm serious. I want to see all of you in heaven. Don't hesitate. God is real. Jesus is real in history. He was raised from the dead. Uh, this is not a kind of story that people wrote up. It's real in history. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you eternal life. Bow your head, close your eyes and pray with me. Father in heaven, pray out loud. Confess with your mouth out loud. Father in heaven, I admit, Lord, that I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Watch me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. 
He died on the cross to pay for my sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Help me, Lord. Give me grace to walk with you. Today, I make a decision, Lord, to turn away from my sins and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give the mighty hand of praises to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God loves you so much. God has the best plan for your life. He wants to bless you. Amen. Let's turn to each other and say, "God loves you so much." We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done Have been washed away By your only son Bring me your tired You said Bring me your weak Bring me your hungry masses We seek your Your glory